I'm going to begin tonight a new series of studies. Studies in the book of Jonah. But I begin with an apologetic. So I'm not going to read from Jonah tonight, though certainly go home and read Jonah, because it won't take you long. And when you've read it, and you think you understand it, then read it again. And when you've read it again, and you think you understand it, then read it again. Because the likelihood is we could be in the book of Jonah for quite considerable time. But by way of introduction to these studies, I want to read from the Apostle Paul's letter, second letter to Timothy. So reading 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we'll read together from verse 14 through into chapter 4, verse 5. Thank you, Tony. So 2 Timothy 3, 14. Paul writes to young Timothy, who remember at time of writing was a pastor, a young pastor in the church, the first century church in Ephesus. As for you, he says, continue in what you have learned. And have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith. In Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed. And is useful for teaching. Rebuking. Correcting and training in righteousness. So that the man of God. Woman of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. And your hardship do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. This is the word of God. Might God bless his word and speak to our hearts through that word tonight. So I know what you're asking yourselves. Why? Why Jonah? Well, you see, I've anticipated that question. Hence tonight's brief study, because I won't keep you here long. This study is an apologetic. Why should I choose the book of Jonah to inaugurate this year's Sunday evening ministry here at Coipenmine Community Church? Well, I am under the conviction that the book of Jonah is one of the most relevant books for the present time. First of all, 
it is analogous to the modern church. It presents a story that rather ominously parallels the situation that we find ourselves in during these early years of the 21st century. And friends, when I speak of the church, please understand that I'm speaking generally about the church universal and specifically about the church in the northern hemisphere, the church in the so-called free west. The church today is in retreat. It is not really engaged in the battle to which it has been called. The church has an inferiority complex. And like Jonah, who ran from the presence of the Lord and headed, remember, towards Tarshish, has determined to run from God and go in another direction. The church has been given a message. A message to preach. But it is not preaching it. The church has been in rebellion to the revealed will of God and has missed her calling. The church has looked to Tarshish and not Nineveh. The church is like Jonah who paid the fare to sail on the ship going in the opposite direction from what God demanded. The church has spent its energy, its time, and its money on the wrong things. The church at the present time is like Jonah, asleep, Asleep in the side of the ship while the world is tossed in unprecedented bewilderment. Friends, I am convinced, in spite of the facade presented, that the world is afraid. And the church is asleep. I'm convinced the world is asking questions. And the church has no answers. Allow me in this introductory study to offer a threefold apologetic outlining why I should choose the book of Jonah to inaugurate this year's Sunday evening ministry. Firstly, I believe that the church has lost its authority. The word of authority is missing from the church today. The church somehow, some way has lost it and consequently the world outside has rejected the church. The church has lost its authority. What is missing today is a word of authority, 
a word from beyond, so to speak, a word not so much from man, but a word from God. God has chosen to deliver that word through His church. His church has elected to remain quiet. This generation has witnessed, by and large, what I would call an anthropocentric gospel, a man-centered gospel, and consequently the world does not respect the church. I'll go further and suggest that the trouble with the world today is essentially not entirely the world's fault. Rather, it can be traced to the sad state of the church. Allow me to remind you of the words of Jesus to his own from Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Friends, these are the words of Jesus, our Lord, to the church. We are the salt of the earth. But when we've lost our savor, we are good for nothing. There's a sense in which Jonah became good for nothing. And he had to be, in that present state at least, thrown overboard. I believe it is a time for us all to, I use the expression godly, but I will use it, a time for us all to accuse ourselves. (laughs) To see That it is our fault that the world does not respect us. We're like Jonah. We are good for nothing. We deserve the world's rejection. A number of years ago, one prominent minister in the United States startled his denomination when he made the statement that if the Holy Spirit were completely withdrawn from the church, the work of the church would go right on as though nothing could happen. Now, it may well be easy for us here today to accuse those outside our walls. Actually, we're good at that, aren't we? It used to be that the Anglicans would accuse the Catholics and those in the free church tradition would accuse the Anglicans. We would accuse any think and anyone else except ourselves. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is time to accuse ourselves. If the Holy Spirit were completely withdrawn from Koipin Community Church tonight, 
I would hesitate to uh, guess and suggest that things would pretty well continue the same next Sunday Oh, To a point. There's an old spiritual song sung in the south of the United States. Like many spirituals, it's not particularly grammatically sound. But my friends, it has a profound theological message. I won't try the accent, but it goes like this. It's not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not the preacher nor the deacon, but it's me, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. We may be able to accuse anybody else, but friends, God hasten the hour when we see this folly and begin to accuse ourselves, not our wives, not our husbands, not our mother or our father, not our children, not the, one, not the one sitting next to us, not the one that we're inviting to church. We must accuse ourselves. The church has lost its authority. And the world has rejected the church. Secondly, and this gets personal. I can identify with Jonah. I confess, brothers and sisters, openly before you, I, Doug Atherton, can identify with Jonah. Brethren, you are looking at a man who knows what it is. To be a Jonah. I know what it is. To have the Lord come to me. A second time as it were. And say go. To the great city of. For Jonah it was Nineveh. For me it was elsewhere. But come to me a second time. With a word of rebuke. And with a chastising spirit. I know what it is to be a Jonah. You see, Jonah is a type of the Christian life. There is not one of us, I hope, here tonight, who has not known the chastening of the Lord. I'm looking around lovingly. Not one of us here tonight who has not known the chastening of the Lord. And I say this with respect, dear friends, because if you do not know what it is to be chastened by God, then you have just admitted to yourself in your spirit that you are not a Christian. Because the writer of the Hebrews says in Hebrews 12.6 The Lord disciplines those He loves and He punishes everyone He accepts as a son or a daughter. Let's be honest. 
We are all Jonas. Let's be honest. We know what it is to be thrown overboard (laughs) and to be swallowed up until finally we surrender and admit that God's way is right. You see, Jonah is illustrative of how God keeps his own. That's one of the wonderful messages of this book. That's why I love this book so much. Yes, you were looking at a Jonah. However, was not God long-suffering towards Jonah in spite of himself? Was not God loving and kind and compassionate towards Jonah in spite of himself? Well, yes. Wonderfully, yes. Jonah illustrates how God keeps his own. It's one of the great doctrines of the Bible. A truth very clearly endorsed by the writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, he, God, is able to save completely those who come to him through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he always lives to intercede for them. Jonah is also illustrative of how God is used to getting his own way. Like Jonah, we may well kick against God's will and God's purposes at times, but with Jonah and with us, God will eventually have his own way. So why is it that we spend so much, waste so much time and effort kicking against him? Wouldn't it be easier, friends, to simply surrender to him now? My friend, if if in the divine providence of God, if in the sovereign will of God, God has his hand upon you, then he has his hand upon you. (laughs) And he will pursue you. So why run in the other direction? Now then, I may well be talking to someone here tonight who is truly converted to the Lord Jesus Christ but you are not living like it you may well be a Christian but one would hardly suspect it by the way that you live and maybe you know what it is to be swallowed up and to be brought to the bottom of the sea and maybe God is still doing that with you endeavouring to pursue you and endeavouring to bring you back to himself Stop fighting. Stop wrestling with him. Submit. Yield. The word of the Lord has come to us. And too often we choose to run in in the opposite direction or maybe if not proactively run away, we choose to ignore it. My friends, God will have his way. God is sovereign. Let's just surrender to the purposes of God. Thirdly and finally, this book, this story of Jonah shows 
in many ways how God converts the sinner to himself. You know, I cannot think of a more evangelistic book than the book of Jonah. It shows how God saves men. Men who deserve nothing from Him. God saves them. How wonderful is that? The man of God, under the call of God, of course, made a judgment, didn't he? <laughs> he looked upon Nineveh and thought to himself, Thou lot! They deserve nothing. God looks at the heart of wicked men. God looks into the very depths of the hearts and souls and minds of men and women, boys and girls, separated from Him, and He desires to extend them mercy. Hallelujah. Now I can't explain that, can you? Because I, like Jonah, look upon the very same and think, they deserve nothing. Look at the way they live. In complete disregard for the things of Almighty God. Look at the way they live. Pleasing themselves in some kind of selfish, hedonistic fashion. Look at the way they live. They deserve nothing. My conclusion, like Jonah's. What's the point? Leave them to their own resources. They'll rot in hell. And why not? They deserve to. But God, the only one who might judge so, and rightly judge so, looks upon the very same and loves them with an everlasting love. And longs to extend them mercy. My friends, if, if, if there was ever a time in the history of mankind when we should know something of the heart of God for the lost. It's now. We should look upon them the way, the way God does. Not dismissively. Not in a condemnatory way. But we should look upon them and say, God desires to show them mercy. And so should I. Ah, it's a mystery. Jonah 2 verse 9. It says, salvation comes from the Lord. And so it does. Is long-suffering to those who who are lost in sin. And friends, he is long-suffering to those who are born again of the Spirit but choose to go the other way when he calls. Oh, my friends, I have known those who have heard the gospel message and rejected it and heard it and rejected it and heard it and rejected it my friends now is the accepted time now is the day of salvation if God is pursuing you if, if, if God has you in his divine radar then, then you are his surrender to him my Christian friend God has a call for you do not procrastinate 
Do not ignore it. Do not go in the other direction. If he has a call for you, then, then surrender to that call. Or, like me, you will go through all manner of unnecessary difficulty and heartache and pain and unrest. And yet in the final analysis, after all that, still find the, the, the word of the Lord coming to you a second time. And, oh, I will surrender, Lord. I might as well. The book of Jonah. It's as pertinent as any book in the Bible is. Because the church has lost its authority. And the world has rejected the church. We often explain away the church's sin by claiming that the world has rejected Christ. Can the world reject that which they've never heard about? We're surrounded by the, not just the unconverted, that's problematic enough, we're surrounded by the unchurched. At least one generation, maybe more, who are unchurched. My friends, these people need Jesus. They need to be given the opportunity to reject Christ. The church has lost its authority. It's not preaching the message that has been entrusted to it. That's why this book is as pertinent today as it ever was. I identify with Jonah and so should every single Christian in this room. For if we have not been chastised and chastened by our God, then we are not converted. And my friends, this book wonderfully shows how God converts sinners to himself. And my dear friends, how we should hold on to the, the wonders of a God who works unto salvation. For why else are we here? So the book of Jonah, my friends, I commend it to you. And the studies that will follow in these subsequent weeks. Next week we will... Begin to examine the text of Jonah chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. Focusing upon Jonah's calling. Jonah's calling. Let me whet your appetites. Fabulous. I love the book of Jonah. It says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Whoa. We could be we could be in that verse alone for, for an awful long time, couldn't we? What an amazing scripture that is. The word of the Lord. Notice uppercase L-O-R-D. Jehovah God. The name of God that the Jews themselves would not utter from their lips, for they feared it so. The name of Jehovah God. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Hallelujah. What a day that must have been. I remember the day when the word of the Lord came to Doug Atherton. What a day it was. 
And so we'll begin just there. As we consider next week Jonah's calling. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this brief introduction to the book of Jonah. We marvel, Father, that scriptures penned centuries ago have so much relevance and pertinence to to today. Such is the, the wonder of the word of God. Might we become consumed, as it were, with this precious word in these days. And through the word, penetrate our hearts, we pray. Give us a real hunger for the word of God. A hunger for the book of Jonah. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.